0: Thanks for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. And with football just finishing up in a great Super Bowl last weekend, um, we thought it was time to take up a topic that we have wanted to take up for a while. There's a quote that kind of goes along with it that I feel like pops up in, like, a ton of places all the time on social media and stuff. It says, Your child only has a 0.029% chance of playing professional sports, but has 100% chance of standing before Jesus. Um, And this is really true, and I'm sure we're going to talk about kind of both sides of this. But with that, um, there's also benefits to sports and how athletics can really impact your faith. And we're going to get into that, too. So we have a few friends with us. One of them, Kelly, you coach cross country, right? Or is it cross country and track?
1: Cross country and track periodically, depending on what the school needs and what my family needs.
0: Yes. So great benefit to have a coach with us, Kelly Grothis. You may remember her husband from the Dad Jokes episode. So we're very excited to have you, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Per, uh, Thanks for having me. I love,
2: the, I love the invite line to Kelly in the subject line. It was, it's your turn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, and then we also have our dear friend and regular guest i feel like father bame and he's a big sports fan fan and i also feel like you're really ingrained in like this high school culture so you really have a front row seat of kind of the good yeah. and the not so good of sports so we're excited to have you both
3: oh thank you it's a it's a pleasure to be back with you guys so yeah thank yeah.
0: you yeah so i'll just start us off with a, a question if that's okay So I'm curious, with both of you actually having presence in schools, because Kelly, you're also a teacher. um, What's the relationship that you guys see with students and sports versus students and faith? Does that make sense? So, like, how do students approach their their um, relationship with sports or whatever sports they're in versus how do they approach faith and God and prayer and that sort of thing?
1: You know, I think every every child is different, and I have the benefit of working with our runners from the time they're in seventh grade through 12th grade. So we really see them grow, um, and change. That's, that's five years, six years. So they change a lot during that time. Um, sports is something that is, yeah, kids approach differently, but we have the same discussion about that in school. You know, why do kids get so excited about sports and not about math? Well, some kids get excited about math. Um, I love math. (laughs) I have a lot of athletes who really like math. Um, But I I feel the same way. You know, there is this adrenaline rush with sports. Um, It's something they choose to do math. You know, everybody takes math. Um, But it just appeals to different people in different ways. And it's great that we have math class. It's great that we have sports, if maybe that's the way that somebody buys in. Um, And on the school end, at least, you know, it's not all about academics, that we're building a community. We're learning to work together um and sports can do that for some kids that maybe the classroom doesn't or in some ways that maybe the classroom doesn't. I think the same for faith though, that there are so many elements of faith that overlap elements of sport that are that are important. You know, I've learned a lot about joy um through coaching kids and that's something that I have struggled with from time to time, you know, taking faith very seriously. It can be Sometimes easy to just let the joy escape you a little bit, um, but but seeing the the joy that we can experience through something earthly, we can experience that um, and and look for that in something divine like our faith as well. Um, a big A big one for me is redemption, the the concept of redemption. You know in sports, somebody wins and somebody loses, and that doesn't mean the person that loses is always going to lose. You can change something. you can do better. you can pick it back up. And try again the next time um I think of so many times an athlete has had a tough race and that's what we focus on well what's what's next time and in particular I had an athlete just not have the best state meet our team still won um he still ran okay just didn't reach his goal and didn't do the best and his teammate actually beat him and then we fast forward to the end of the season and come track there on the starting line and The teammate false starts and that one who had a rough race before has to really do his best to get the team points and he ended up winning. So that redemption story that they Mm -hmm. they worked together, they had to put their faith in each other. And sometimes we need something real that we can see to understand that better about our faith, about something that we can't see or touch. Um, We're human and we have senses. God gave them to us and something as real and raw as athletic performance. Um, we feel things through sports, whether it's physical or emotional, um, and and it can teach us more about our faith.
2: As you were talking, Kelly, I think what, what stands out to me, and when we were prepping for this episode, I didn't even realize this was a such thing, but the church actually has a document, document on athletics. Really? It's called, it's called Get, Giving the Best of Yourself. And it was written in 2018 with, it's just packed full of lots of Pope Francis quotes and Pope St. Pius tenth quotes actually. Nice. But a lot of what that document articulates is exactly all the things you just said are in that document. So I, I found it funny that like the language of faith, y- your faith is so strong in your world as a, as an athlete yourself, as a coach and in what you do, like you're naturally bringing those together. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, Pope Francis says it enriches the lives of individuals to make the world a better place. He says, those who are part of the sports world exemplify virtues such as generosity, humility, sacrifice, constancy, and cheerfulness. Sport is a very rich source of values and virtues that help us to become better people. And I think I heard every word mm-hmm. of that in exactly what you said. I think two things it illustrates, Father, is that a lot of times the church issues these documents that no one ever reads that are actually quite beautiful right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, yeah. But, but also I, yeah, I just hear so much truth in what you're saying. And I think hearing it from your lived experience just confirms the words of the church. And I think it's beautiful. We'll have to read Father that Pat, now. what's your take?
3: I guess I would say a couple of things. Um, first, I am a sports nut. I love athletics. Um, I love, uh, to follow professional sports Um, little known fact about me before I decided to become a priest. My career goal is totally true is I wanted to coach in the national football league. That was my, that was my dream. Um, I still love and study American football. Um, I, I, I love baseball at least until major league baseball changed all their rules and ruined the game. Um, I, uh, I like hockey and golf and I like to ski. Um, I gotta be honest, Kelly. I think you people that run are insane. I think um, so too. <laughs> I don't, I don't like that. It, my, my memory of running was like when we would jump off sides in football practice, we'd had to run. And when we'd miss a free throw in basketball practice, we had to run. That was once a like a quote
0: on the back of one of our T-shirts in school was for cross country was our sport is your sports punishment.
3: No, it's exactly right. Yeah, I, we've had that. I remember yeah. When we made an error in baseball practice, our coach made us run around the track. And yeah. So like run, just run fra- across the warning track and back. I mean, it was, it was just like. I don't get you people that run for fun. It just doesn't make any sense (laughs) to me, but uh, be that as it may, I want to answer your question, Fred. Um, I think sports have a a real place in the building up of virtue, um, particularly in young people. It helps them. I would say that sports help them develop one teamwork two. um, the virtue of fortitude, because it can be difficult and, and arduous, which is actually a really good thing. Um, sports, I think, also help people see themselves as part of a bigger whole, right? I don't know anything about wrestling. I like watching it because my students participate in it. But wrestling is a very individual sport. However, in these team duels, you're competing as a member of a team and your team could, it it not could be, is relying on you. Same thing with track, you know, track and and cross country and golf and tennis, Uh, at least the way they do them here in Iowa, very individualized sports, but you compete as part of a team. And so I think it, it really helps young people see themselves as part of a bigger whole. Now, that said, I I think we also have to acknowledge some issues with it because, Kara, your original question is how do people's interaction with athletics compare to their interaction with faith? What I see all too often is that people's focus, their primary focus, is on their athletics, right? And, And this manifests itself in a couple of different ways. One would be the phenomenon of AAU teams and traveling teams, which I I don't have any problem with AAU. I, I think it has a, a place. And it can be very good and and particularly in honing skills. But unfortunately, a lot of these of these AAU programs participate mostly on the weekends. And there's a lot of kids today who say, "Well, we can't go to mass because we're playing basketball or volleyball or." softball or whatever it may be and so suddenly the mass and your faith takes a back seat the other thing that i run into is when trying to get young people to be involved in their faith um if i had a nickel for every time somebody said well i can't go to this thing or that thing i can't go to this retreat or that retreat or this youth group event or whatever it is, if I had a nickel for every time somebody told me I can't go to this because I have X sports practice, fill in the blank, I, I would be a very wealthy person. All right, I, w- I would be insanely wealthy if I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. I can think of maybe one time in my life that I have had somebody choose to go to their coach and say I can't go to this game because I'm going to this event for church. I was really proud of that person. And and it just, unfortunately, it just doesn't happen. And so sports can be very good. And I want to be the first to affirm that. But they can also become an idol, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: right? They can also become an idol in that they take the first place in our life. They assume the first priority. And that that becomes very problematic. I, I remember I was actually reading on Twitter the other day. I'm gonna, this I don't know who this person is. A famous some famous baseball coach um, that has a million Twitter followers or something like that. This baseball coach was talking about uh, his his AAU baseball program, and he said we have to work together with high school coaches. So when the high school team is in season that has the priority when the aau team is in season that has the priority when none of them are in season then the off season strength training program has priority
0: mm-hmm. and
3: i tweeted at him i said when does school take the priority right mm-hmm. when does a kid's faith take the priority right and basically saying look these kids are not professional athletes you know to go back to what you said at the outset kara you said point zero zero two nine percent of kids will play professional sports. I would argue that that's actually an overestimate. Mm. It really, I mean, when you think about it, it really is. I just quickly, very brief, very quickly, and in fact, I gotta check it again. Did the math, but there are seven hundred and eighty players in Major League Baseball at any one time. Seven hundred and eighty. That's it. There mm-hmm. are one thousand six hundred and ninety six players that compete in the national football league and that's a that's a precise number 53 guys on a roster times 32 teams 1696 i would be willing to bet that is lower than 0.029 percent or whatever it was of yeah. all people all the schools play. yep right when you figure it all out it, it's lower than that and so the point that i was trying to make to this to this baseball coach something like look you guys are treating these kids like they're professional athletes and you have 16 year old kids that play over a hundred baseball games a year. That's insane. Yeah, It's just absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And so we wind up with a 16 year old kid that has blown his elbow out and needs Tommy John surgery because he's pitching more at that age than some professional players will pitch over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. It's just nuts. And so we have to find this happy balance, this happy medium, where the good of athletics are brought out and help young people grow in virtue. And, and to be sure, some will act, will in fact earn a college scholarship in their particular sport. And of those that earn a college scholarship, a very select few will play professionally. Mm-hmm. But that does happen, okay? But for the vast majority of them, it's an opportunity to grow in fellowship with their friends, camaraderie, virtue, et cetera, et cetera. The things I outlined above, but we have to be careful that it doesn't become an idol and that it doesn't take the first priority in our life, which yeah. as Christians, we believe must always be held by the Lord.
0: I like that you bring up some of the um, possible, like we, we say that there are benefits and Kelly, you shared a lot of those and Fred in that document, but I feel like that's the ideal. Like the ideal right. is that it's helping them grow in virtue and, and values, but it takes somebody in my opinion and in my experience in athletics, it takes somebody to like draw those connecting lines because I might be hardworking or a student might be hardworking in sports, but then they don't translate that over to homework or to, you know, their future or whatever it might be because their passion is in sports. I feel like the ideal is so much different than the reality. And the ideal is that God takes priority, but the reality is so, so much different. And we see that it's so obvious. So I'm curious too, like, is this just the status quo and we stick with it? Or is there even the possibility of shifting the culture?
1: I think it can come in, you know, asking the right questions when there is a conflict. Um, Often we'll have a track meet on Good Friday or Holy Thursday. And, I've called schools and said, hey, did you realize this is Good Friday? Have you thought of changing your meat? And sometimes they'll change it, sometimes they don't. But if we don't stand up as Christians and ask that question, nothing yeah. will change. Or when there's a basketball coach keeping kids so late, they're, they don't get to religious ed in time or they're coming in and haven't eaten. You know, we can make concessions like, just bring your piece of pizza to class, It's fine. But also asking the question, does the school have a policy of what time practice needs to be done? Mm-hmm. Um, is, yeah. it, do we need to have that that softball clinic start at eight o'clock on Sunday morning? What would happen if you went an hour late? You know, standing mm-hmm. up and asking those right questions um, and putting our faith at the forefront. We have eight different school communities that make up our religious ed program in our parish. And some are great about um, Wednesday nights. And I had one athletic director, activities director call and say, we need to make up a concert. Do you have class on Wednesday? I said, yeah, we do. Um another school just didn't call and scheduled their makeup concert on Wednesday. So, yeah. you know, we have to we have the opportunity I think as leaders to stand up for our faith and maybe model that for the kids. Um I've seen examples where parents do that and that's maybe not the popular choice with the kids that you do need to leave practice early to get to confirmation class. But I hope you know maybe right now when you're 15, sports are really cool and yeah. that's what you love, but I hope that the kids can learn to have faith in one another. Um, and all of those virtues, father, that you mentioned, and you know when they're on their own, when mom isn't saying leave basketball practice early to get to confirmation class, that hopefully they've still learned those values, can remember those values and transfer them to their adult life. You know, that's what we want out of sports is you might not be able to run forever or be on a football team forever, but the values, the virtues you learn from those we want the kids to take as adults. But sometimes it takes us as leaders, as you said, Kara, pointing those out and making sure that we have our priorities aligned.
3: Yeah. yeah let me, okay. So I got to tell this story and I, I've mentioned this in homilies before. I, I have asked this family if I can share this story publicly and they've given me permission to, so I don't feel too badly about doing that. Um, I have some friends i I haven't talked to them in quite a while but i uh i was blessed to travel to the holy land actually with this couple Um, matt and mindy they are from the the denver metro area and i got to know matt and mindy when i was in seminary they uh they actually run a ministry in the archdiocese of denver helping couples who are struggling in their marriage And, and they just they call it marriage coaching they they essentially will walk with couples who are going through difficulties in their marriage to help them work through them and not end up uh, in divorce and looking for an annulment. They they do a great ministry. Well, the reason I mention them is I think so often we run into the problem of thinking that uh, our kid is going to play in college or the pros and when when they're not. We, we run into this issue of um, maybe over... Uh, overestimating our kids' talent and ability. The reason I bring up Matt and Mindy is that their daughter actually really was that .0001% of kids. Um, Their daughter, Nicole, her senior year of high school was the number one rated high school volleyball recruit in the country. And every single major volleyball program wanted her. So UCLA, Nebraska, Pepperdine, Hawaii, Texas, They were all recruiting her. They were all offering her a scholarship. Well, Matt and Mindy realized that this was kind of getting out of hand. And so they pulled her aside and they said, you know, look, you can play on your high school team and you can play on one other traveling team. Because she was on like two different AAU teams or high school team, the U.S. 18 and under select team. I mean, it was all these different things. Yeah. And so they had to put a stop to it. And they said, and you're not going to play on Sunday, just period. You're not playing on Sunday. That's the day that we as a family are going to Mass. And that's the day that we as a family are going to just enjoy each other's company and be a family. Well, fast forward, um, Nicole started to take her faith very seriously. Uh, She wound up going to Texas. She started there as a freshman. They won the national championship her freshman year. And as a result of her going to Texas, this is a little bit of a tangent to the story, but uh, Focus wound up coming to Texas, at least indirectly. Mm-hmm. And the volleyball coach at Texas helped to bring them along uh, as a as a way to persuade her to consider coming there to play volleyball. Be that as it may, Nicole will will tell you when you talk to her, that, she, and she'll go back and she'll say, that was one of the best things that happened to me was my parents kind of putting the kibosh on all of these these volleyball activities she she said yeah i had a lot of talent but i was getting burned out and it was becoming a job for me i was growing to hate volleyball it was the last thing i wanted to do and by them kind of making me take a step back it reinvigorated rejuvenated my love of the game now in in fairness, I could be getting a few of the details wrong in this story, but the the gist of it is is correct. Well, Nicole, like I said, um, started taking her faith very seriously, went to Texas, they won the national championship. But the point is this: because Carrie, you asked,, her, how do we change the culture? Ultimately it doesn't come from any of the four of us. Ultimately it comes right. from parents. Right. And it comes from parents saying, Okay, we have to put our priorities in order, follow what St. Paul says, seek first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness, then all these other things, including athletics, including success in athletics, will be handed will be will be added unto you.
2: Father, I see some some of the positive aspects in the stories that you're sharing there and what we've been talking about is The level of commitment, commitment in our throwaway culture, convenience culture, like that's to be commended. But also like working with young people, I know that a lot of them feel a lot of pressure that they have to do this and they have to do that. There's the parental pressure. So keeping that in mind with what you just said, what would like concretely, maybe Kelly chime in here as both parent and coach and, you know, teacher What 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 advice would you offer parents to get out of that sort of spiral of mixing up the priorities of how can they embrace the good things, the virtues of athletics, but also not fall into that trap?
1: Right. You know, I think we have to put the child first and realize that they are children, Um, especially with high school athletics, Um, you know, they're not objects for our entertainment they are children. And as coaches, as parents, as teachers, as adults who care about them, any any role that an adult plays, we, we really need to protect that above all things. You know, something I've learned as a coach that kind of goes back to that first question of that intersection of faith and athletics is really just reinforcing this concept of dignity and respect for all people. I don't think that's always a popular message in athletics, Um, But it's my athletes that really shaped that for me, Um, having a healthy respect for their opponents. We had an injured runner and his teammate who replaced him on a team that was trying to be state champions, um, prayed for him every night to heal so that he could run in that race. Mm -hmm. And the humility that that took. Um, That's a family that has their priorities aligned. Um, Having just compassion for, for other runners, for, just a healthy, like I said, a healthy respect for the opponents. They're, they're humans too. Um, God doesn't love one team more than another. He doesn't have a favorite uniform color. Um, we are, we're all, and maybe it's, it's true and running more than others, but you, you start on, you get, go to the starting line and everybody goes and everybody's out there trying at the same time. And um, I've wondered during races before, is this what God feels like just like watching us all struggle? and mm-hmm. you, but no yeah. because he has the power to he knows how it's going to end he he has ultimate power over our lives where when you send a group of runners out in a race for 3 miles you don't have that power but you know god doesn't have a favorite as parents we do as coaches we do um but respecting everybody i think helps put those things in perspective that they are children there are things more important than winning and losing um I think I'm fortunate as a coach that we encourage a day of rest every week. So for that's just morphed into being Sundays. Um, we, we have generally just a, a majority of kids that are faithful church going kids and Sundays is a day for their families. And that's just kind of stuck to our team that Sundays is their day of rest. On one really nice Sunday, I think it was in the last couple of months, and it's been cold. Um, my younger daughter said, mom, it's really nice and I kind of want to run. Can I go run today? But, you know, you you can. I'm not telling you as your mom or your coach, you have to run today. If that's what you want to do to have fun, if that's relaxing to you, you want to go to the woods and run. It's OK. Mm-hmm. You should do that. So that's what I want to do. I want to go run in the woods.
0: That's a really good witness as a coach, because, Father, you're saying like to change the culture, it's the parents. I think it takes courage on the part of a lot of people because, you know, you have coaches in sports who, like the guy who tweeted, but in a lot of coaches, like you're required to go to regular practice, then you're required to go to weekend open gyms, then you're required to go to weightlifting, and open gyms are, you know. Encouraged, but not mandatory. But if you don't show up, you're not going to start. You know that kind right. of stuff. Like it's like the hidden background rules that they can't really say, and the kids know those and they feel those, so they feel yeah. that pressure. And so to have a coach, Kelly, like you, um, willing to say that, like go home and rest, spend this time with your family, is really special. And that's something that I think would push this this shift to to taking back Sundays, to taking back that time with your family and putting God first is not just parents, but also all of the responsible adults in these kids' lives.
3: Amen, 100%, I agree.
1: Earlier you said, you know, is this just the way society is? Um, And I think about those things a lot. You know, when I was growing up or when my parents were growing up and the questions that their parents asked, do we just automatically go with those things that that previous generation questioned now? And what will it be like down the road? So I feel like, you know, if we don't preserve Sunday from a religious aspect but then also just from a secular school aspect resting Mm -hmm. and it's we don't have to go all the time these are children and they deserve to rest if we don't embrace that now and we let them go at breakneck speed and encourage them to go at breakneck speed at a a pace that we couldn't have kept up with when we were children just because there are so many things available um Mm -hmm. what will it be like for the next generation so I think it, it is important as all the adults to work together and give those children that time with their families, time to rest. Yeah. Um, there are so many options between school sports, AAU sports, other activities. Um, and I'll never say that, you know, we don't ever have a 4-H club work day or meeting on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but it's, yeah, as you said, that, that required component of it or that this is expected of you creates it, it makes it work. Um, yeah rather than leisure rather than time with your family time with your friends time with your faith, and Mm -hmm. and that that is important so as adults i think we have to model it whether it's respecting our opponents um having sunday as a day of rest that adults have to model that i i i don't think it's isolated for me that i feel like i see that and see that supported by the other coaches around me as well about teaching the right things through sports um Other adults in other areas of kids' life, I know, do that for them, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm
0: -hmm. Tying it to the culture, like you were saying, too, I feel like just the the general idea of pushing back, like having that courage to say, no, I'm going to be with my family on Sunday or no, I have mass, but I'll come later. uh, There are a lot of things in our culture right now, just stepping away from sports for a second. That we should not just go along with because it's the culture. So even that as an element of a value we can take from sports and apply it to our life and you know how we're living now. Um, just having that courage, yeah, to like say this isn't me. This isn't what I believe in, and people might not like me for it, but that's okay. Yeah, you're right.
2: I like how you point out to the the uh, remind me of the story the opponent. As an opponent, he was praying for to be healed. He was injured or something for like that, his, or a for teammate. his own
1: teammate that was injured. Yeah. That meant you know this other runner got to step up, and and he was right. he was at his best. He was improving every race, and it came down to I think yeah. they had about twenty minutes before the meet started to know which one was running, um and we knew we were going to break somebody's heart that day, but. But yeah, to pray for the person who's going to replace you so that you don't get to be on the line.
2: Right. Um, yeah, that's incredible. Yes. Yeah,
1: it's humbl- it was humbling to me to witness that. But how much yeah. humility that took from a 16-year-old boy to, I mean, I don't even think that's I can awesome. call him a boy. I think that that constitutes being a man, being able to put other yeah. people <laughs> for ahead sure. of yourself yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I think that's that points awesome. to The value in sports, and Pope Francis actually said, "We'll leave a link to this document in the show notes because it is worth reading and it's not terribly long." But he says sports provide an opportunity for doing exactly what Paul says to Timothy: preach the gospel in season and out of season. And he says sport can open the way to Christ even in those places and environments where, for different reasons, it's not possible to announce Him directly. I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is Damar Hamlin. Father, hey. Buffalo Bills uh, cornerback, if I remember correctly, literally died on the field uh, just a few weeks ago, or about a month or two ago, in the, against the Bengals, and was resuscitated on the field. And I think everybody in the country was praying for him. All the players, the Bengals, right. and the Bills were gathered around. What an incredible witness of the power of prayer! And he is doing well now, you know. Right. And but it was just beautiful to see everybody rally around him and pray for him and for the first time in a long time it was okay to say thoughts and prayers. Yeah. To use that phrase. Yeah. And that was just beautiful to see whereas a decade ago Tim Tebow was the controversial one, you know, right, right. Uh, for for praying on the field and now so I think it's easy to look at the negatives and how bad our culture in, is, but you can see excuse me, <clears throat> you can see in those areas where the gospel is working where hearts yeah. are being transformed and sports provide yet another opportunity. Uh, just like how you, how you started Kelly.
3: Let me share another story with you. You just reminded me of this, Fred, it, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, you know, about a week after the DeMar Hamlin incident, uh, more like maybe a week and three days or something like that. Um, we had a similar incident at our school. Uh, so I'm the, the chaplain at Kemper Catholic in Carroll, Iowa, and we had a similar incident. Um, a young man uh, in playing basketball, uh, I think he actually went up to try to block a shot. Kid undercut him, and he flipped over and landed on his head. I mean, like, smacked his head, was knocked unconscious. He convulsed on the floor for a couple of minutes, um, called 911, took him to the hospital, um, fortunately there were some, uh, some first responders in the stands that ran down and, and helped him. Uh, so some physicians and I think an EMT and different things, but, um, I happened to be at that game and I, I went over and just was going to anoint him potentially and, but discerned that he didn't need to be anointed right there. Um, so I went down, I talked with our, our basketball team, went down to check on them because they all saw this and you know four of his teammates were right there when this happened and I re- you know I went into the locker room and I, I don't I don't think they'd mind me sharing this I mean there were about half of them were just sobbing they didn't I mean they didn't know if he was dead like it was it was really scary um but what really impressed me was that our seniors and the the, the team captains were leading the entire team in praying the Hail Mary I mean, I went down there and it was just hail Mary full of grace. It was just over and over and over. it's almost like they were praying a rosary. They weren't, I mean but that was their instinct, right? That they saw this happen, they didn't know what happened to their teammate. I'm happy to report he's doing well. I mean he did have a concussion, but um but he's back playing now already, which is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh their instinct, just like you said, Fred, was first to turn to prayer and to turn to mm-hmm. our Lord. I, I, I was so proud of them. In fact, I told them a couple days later, I said, you know, guys, I, I have never been more proud uh, of a group of my students than and I was of those boys that night. The other side of this, and, and it goes to what you were saying, Kelly, just respecting your opponents. Um, as providence would have it, uh, as I was walking out of the gym that night, I was, I was actually walking to the hospital. The hospital's about a block from the school and Um, The game had finished. I was going to go back and be with him a little bit more and with his family. I happened to uh, walk right past the visiting team's bus. And the visiting team was on their bus, and I'm like, eh, I should just go say a quick word to them. So I knocked on the door, went in, introduced myself, public school, and I said, you know, guys, I I just really want to thank you. Um, That was a scary incident for us, but also for you, you know, because – you guys were on the floor at the same time, and nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. So you know, hey, he's doing well, but I just really want to thank you guys for the way that you carried yourself, and um, you should be very proud of yourselves. I'm proud of you. Uh, wish you well the rest of the year, and and thanks for for being very professional in a very scary incident. What's the point? Not that I did anything great. I didn't do anything great, but these boys on both teams turned to prayer and they had that underlying respect for one another that I think really comes most, especially through athletics. And so it it, it was, it was just very beautiful. And as you, as you share the DeMar Hamlin story, I I couldn't help but think to this own story uh, that was at least for me um, much closer to home.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you're sharing that father and, and um, the professional football player as well, Um, the thing that stands out to me that you can take from sports and applying it to your faith and especially the church is this element of community and teamwork. And I feel like, you know, in, in any athletic, whether it's an individual or group, like your team members are so vital to your success and helping you to finish well. Um, but the same goes for the church. Like, I don't know if we do this well, we have definitely have room for improvement, just like any sports team. Right. But we have an end goal. You know, we're trying to get to heaven and we're supposed to come together to help each other do that. Um, The goal of anything in sports is we have a goal and we want to win. And the same goes for faith. So like, like I said, too, you know, you need somebody to make those connections for you in the church. But that's ultimately the church's goal. Like we're supposed to come together as one body both individual individually and like trying to grow in holiness, but also together as a community to help people become better um, and to help people get to heaven. And, you know, I, I, I think the Lord is moving, he's moving to renewal and I think people are definitely doing that. Um, But that's what we're meant to do. You know,
2: once again, you're speaking Pope Francis words, (laughs) (laughs) the beauty he says, I can, I hope you can taste the beauty of teamwork to belong to a sports club means to reject every form of selfishness and isolation. It is an opportunity to encounter and be with others, to help one another, to compete in mutual esteem and grow in brotherhood. Yeah, That sounds like what the church is supposed to be.
1: And, you know, yeah. that's, as you said, Kara, that's our goal as, as an individual, as a family, is to work together to get each other to heaven. Um, that's a win. Yeah. Sports are about winning. It's about a lot of other things too. Um there but we can experience those joys and you know it's it may be a stretch to get a teenager to make that connection. Um but if adults are modeling the right things and modeling those virtues, it's a start. You know, it, it might take time. It might take other experiences in their lives too. But to have adults who can model that whether parents, coaches, teachers, Priests who get on the bus, Father, I think you, you said, you know, I didn't really do anything. You Someone could have yelled at the kid who undercut the player. And, yeah. you know, it sounds like it was handled very well. And those boys will remember that, that, you know, yeah. somebody reached out and cared about them when really you didn't have to do that. That's something, mm-hmm. you know, we, we as Christian adults set an example. And if that's the experience, you know, what experience are we giving someone with our Christian faith? Um we have the opportunity to lead, whether it's our opponents or the the kids on our own teams. Um, they need to see those right things. They need to see those virtues in us, not just hear us tell them about what they should do, but see us doing those right things too.
3: You know everything you guys are saying. I I had to look this up to make sure I had the verse right, but it, Paul says essentially the same thing in First Corinthians nine, right? First Corinthians nine. Um, it, call it verse 22 to 27. He says, to the weak I became weak to win over the weak. I've become all things to all to save at least some. I do this for the sake of the gospel so that I too may have a share in it, which is exactly what you're talking about, Kelly, that we lead by example. And then he goes on, he says, do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Therefore, run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one, which is, again, everything that you guys have been saying, that at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, Do we become a saint? Did, <laughs> yeah. Do we get yeah. to heaven? I mean, really, that's all that matters. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable run. Thus, I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadowboxing. No, I drive my body and train it for fear that after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. I, I just, I love that.
0: I love that too. I read that actually today and I was like, ooh, this is so good. I like that you're bringing in scripture because never can you say that like sports are evil or you shouldn't be doing sports or anything like that. Like the scripture talks about sports and it shows like it has a benefit. Paul talked about sports a lot. I had First Timothy down, First Timothy 4 seven through eight it says train yourself in godliness for while Mm. bodily training is of some value godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come which gets at exactly what we're talking about like how often are we told to go work out go lift weights go run go train yourself well we have to do the same thing for this lifelong or this eternal outcome. Like we have to pray vigorously just like we would go and lift weights. We have to grow in our spiritual life. And like when you go and lift or you run, like you're trying to build up to something more, you know, you lift five pounds, then you get that. You lift 10 pounds, you get that. You lift 25 pounds. You know, you're supposed to do that. The same thing with your prayer life, start yeah. small, then go to scripture, then go to Lexio, then go to contemplation. Like you're supposed to continue to build that godliness and that stamina. So yeah, scripture talks about sports and its benefits, but we really have to make that connection in our own lives and for the lives of those in our, in our own lives, you know, um, like our kids. The irony
3: is if I can just piggyback on that a little bit, Kara, the irony is because you're right. Scripture does talk about that and everything that you just said of growing in St. Ignatius of Loyola called them the spiritual exercises. Mm -hmm. So in other words, deepening our prayer life, deepening our relationship with Christ if we really understand the context of what Paul is talking about in the um I'm not sure about the the passage you quoted it was it was it first Timothy?
0: Yeah, first Timothy okay. 4.
3: Well, at least in the passage that I just quoted from first Corinthians 9, if we really understand the context of that, it actually ties in beautifully to everything that we've been talking about tonight about not making athletics into a false god because here's the context. And I admittedly, I'm stealing this from Dr. Tim Gray and his class on St. Paul that I had with him. But we all know about the Olympic Games, right? The modern Olympics, but also the ancient Olympics in Athens. Well, where is Corinth? So Paul is writing to the Corinthians. Corinth is a city in Greece, still there. It's a city in modern day Greece, but it was also a city in ancient Greece, and the people competed not only in the Olympic Games, but also there was basically a smaller version of the Olympic Games called the Corinthian Games. And so he's essentially saying to them, look at what you do to compete in these games. Right. How yeah. much more important and how much more then should we be doing for the one game that actually really matters, namely the salvation of our own souls?
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. I'm gonna to have to share that yeah, with some of our athletes. That's mm. I, ne- yeah. I never knew that.
3: No, please do well, and I wouldn't either. Like I said, I I have to anything that I ever learned from scripture. I learned from Dr. Tim Gray. So God bless Dr. Gray.
2: When it comes to teaching the faith, Father, you don't, we don't steal; we hand on. So yes, <laughs> you, right. you That's should right. feel no guilt in that. Well, and he um, would
3: say the same thing. So
2: yeah,
1: and you know, I think there are subtle ways. And Father, you're in a Catholic school, and I'm in a public school, and so yeah. I don't, I don't get to quote scripture to the athlete right but um they they do it for themselves or they'll have a bible right. verse written on their arm or on their mm. shoe um and you know this that's their opportunity to witness and often it's it's corinthians there's several from matthew we have themes every mm. year and all of the themes i was thinking of them we've had for the past five or six years could all be directly tied to a bible verse which Doesn't mean I have to go and make that connection for kids, but it's that value, it's that virtue that is present between both um, and can really help sports not be the only thing, not be that Mm -hmm. false idol. If you can Mm -hmm. keep it prioritized, you know, what are we learning through sports? Is it about practicing for three hours every day, or is it about what we learn along the way? And if we're learning those virtues, then I think that can help us show kids the right priorities keep sports from becoming that idol that that often they are in society's eyes um and even if it's not professed in words share those faith bases, share those biblical values with the way the way our teams run the way our families run um and just the way we are a witness to children as well
3: That's wholeheartedly awesome. agree with all that you know I, I was thinking of one other thing i I'm, i feel like i'm just kind of bouncing around a little bit on different topics but everything's you guys keep saying is, is sparking something in my mind here, but I want to go back to something that you said, Kelly, gosh, maybe 20 minutes ago now where you said uh, just respecting the dignity of, of each person on a team and and the importance and the value of that. We were blessed at Kemper to have uh, an actually an an international speaker come and share some wisdom with us uh, back in October Um, Named Mr. Bart Schutz. Bart is uh, involved with the St. John Paul II Healing Center in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, He's there with his brother Bob. Bart's um, really a a very gifted speaker, very dynamic. Uh, If any of our listeners um, are interested, I I highly recommend him. But he uh, he's very very tied into the sports world, Um, so. He played football at Florida State uh, and started there and um, wound up getting a tryout with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so he 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 immediately sort of has that, that grab to young people uh, who, mm-hmm. who are very interested in athletics. Well, he has a son um, who is currently being recruited uh, by some Division I football programs. His son's a very good football player. His son was injured this year And his dad, Bart, was talking to him and said, you know, what have you learned through your injury? And he said, you know, I learned the value that, for lack of a better word, the bench warmers have. As he said, all of a sudden, I wasn't playing. And I realized, like, what these guys go through every day in practice to get us ready. And they don't get a play. Like, they don't get in the game. And he said, I realized that I have to treat them as equals. Like, yeah, they don't have their name on the paper. They're not, you know, being elected captain because they they just skill-wise are not very good, at least relative to the other players on the team. But he said, he's like, I really realized their humanity and their their dignity and the value that they bring um, to our team. And, And so to our listeners who... Play sports whose kids play um regardless of whether your kid's a starter or as i used a minute ago a bench warmer i think it's important that we acknowledge those kids who are there every day who put the work in but maybe don't get a play on game day because talent wise they're they're just not as good but they're still an important member of the team they're an integral member of the team and and i i think we really have to be very conscientious to honor their dignity and the time and energy that they put in.
2: Amen. Yeah. That's, that's great, Father. Yeah. St. Paul, once again, says the same thing in first Corinthians 12. St. Paul just keeps wanting to say, He's good. <laughs> well, that's the, that is the part where like even the lesser members still yeah. have dignity. Uh, yeah. Everybody, yeah. everybody has yeah, a yeah, yeah, role. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's beautiful. Can
3: the eye say to the ear, I I have no need of you or the hand or the foot? Right, 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 right. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right.
2: I do want to touch on this point because we haven't yet. And I think it's one of the most important aspects of athletics and what it can teach us with regards to our faith is sports teach us how to fail. Ooh. Absolutely. They teach us how to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And anyone that uh, doubts that, I would say, look up any Kobe Bryant quote (laughs) (laughs) who was a practicing Catholic, but also you find like a lot of parallels between what our faith teaches us. Like uh, G.K. Chesterton, he's talking about the difficulty of living the Christian life. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, has been found difficult and left untried. Kobe Bryant, if you're afraid to fail, you're going to. And he goes on to t- talk about how he doesn't hate. He didn't hate to win. He didn't hate to lose. Mm-hmm. He, went, he went into every situation with his focus was on playing to learn, playing to improve. And so when he discovered a weakness, he was actually excited about that. Mm-hmm. For, for him, failure didn't exist. Failure was falling short on Monday and not getting back after it on Tuesday. It was a failure to get back up. Yeah. Which is also that is the saints. How That's many the faith. Saints yeah, I yeah. have said the same thing. Maximilian Colby, literally same thing, said that. You know, yeah. um, sports teach us how to fail, and we can learn a lot. Kelly, this is where running actually is a great example because we can learn that Christian life resembles a marathon more than a sprint, and those challenges in that long race sometimes we need to hand off the baton whatever <laughs> you know for it's sure. worth it yes and it's worth it
1: and some you know when as i said i get to work with kids for for six years to see where they start and where they go you know you're going to have ups and downs along the way and there there have been years you know we've won every single meet and that's great but there's nowhere to go from there but down the next year you know right. that doesn't mean we're failing though um, our teams that have struggled the mm-hmm. most would have beaten the teams that face the least opposition. That, you know, winning sometimes is the absence of opposition, sometimes <laughs> is the result of really hard work. Um, mm-hmm. And that's life. You know, there are things in our life that will be easy, there will be tests that we're put to, um, but they're all part of life. And it's not always yeah. going to be easy. That doesn't mean that it's not. Rewarding, And I think especially the, the Christian life is not always easy. It's not usually mm-hmm. easy, um, right. but that hard work, whether it's measured as a success or not, it's the process. It's the process of living that life. Um, and that's something I think running is a perfect metaphor for it because it's on your own, you, your first, second, third, all the way to last. Yeah. Um, it's measurable. And it's raw. There's, there's no, no do over. You can't get a substitute. You can't take a time out.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're sprinting, and sometimes you're winded and need to just like slow walk. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes, so it, it does. It's a, it's a great metaphor for the course of our life and the trials that we'll face in our life. But having faith to pick it back up, whether it's yeah. you know, once you're over that hill, picking up your pace, or the next, the next race, or the next game, trying again. Um, there mm. might be a Kobe Bryant quote of, I never lose, I either win or I learn. And mm. that's what I've used often too. Yeah, that en- sounds like something mm. he would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, just encourage kids, you had a rough day, but we're not gonna let that ruin today, we'll, st- we'll start yeah. again. Mm. Um, and that, right. just that redemption, you know, we sin, but God has mercy on us and forgives. We, yeah. we ask for forgiveness and God willingly gives it. So if we, if we willingly say, I'm going to try again, Um, that's, that's redemption. You know, we have spiritual redemption with our faith and, and we can model that through um, just our, our efforts in sports as well.
3: I'm just sitting here thinking like kind of mesmerized actually, because I don't know what, listening to everything that you guys say, um, I don't know that I'd ever really pondered the aspect of failure. Like I'm sure I have, but I've never really actually stepped back to think about it and how that really is a metaphor for the Christian life. Um, as you guys were talking, uh, I was reminded of, and Kelly, you might remember this. I don't know. You, You know more about track than i do but uh the 1992 olympics um derek redmond i don't know if you guys are familiar with this story or not but um just a beautiful story of how derek redmond who was a a british sprinter and his specialty was the 400 um he'd been training and and, you know the olympics they're every four years and so it's the pinnacle uh, for a lot of these athletes that compete in those various sports, particularly track and field. And so Derek Redmond had been training intensely for four years. Um, he was predicted to potentially win a medal. Um, he had won his preliminary heat, I believe, and uh, was predicted to advance from his semifinal into the finals of the 400, the Olympic 400 meters. And right at about the 200 meter mark, he pulled his hamstring. And oh, he yikes. came up and he limped and he was lame and he wanted to finish. He wanted to finish the race, even though he knew he wasn't going to qualify for the finals. He just, he kept hopping around the track. And after about a hundred meters, this man ran out of the stands and put his arm around him and limped with him to the, to the finish line. The security tried to shoo him away. It wouldn't let him come near, but he just kept insisting. And he, and he finally said, that's my son. And so oh. it, it, was his, it was his father that ran out of the stands in just such a beautiful image of the Christian life of when we fail and when we stumble and fall, how God the Father will, won't let anything stop him to run to us, his children, to pick us up and to get us across the finish line. It's one of my it, – it's just – and the irony is if you were to ask 100 people today. They may not know who Derek Redmond is, but they'll, they'll remember the image because that image has been played over on, on promos for the Olympics. Visa used it in a commercial. <laughs> it's all over the place. Nobody, but I guarantee you if you ask 100 people, not one single person will be able to tell you who won the Olympic 400-meter gold medal that year. Nobody would know that. But everybody knows Derek Redmond, or at least they mm-hmm. know the image and, and the story of what happened.
2: Father Pat, on that note, as we close out this episode – The words of Pope St. John Paul II come to mind because uh, uh, the sports, life in sports, life in athletics, just like that example you just gave, is a lot like the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of becoming a saint. That's our sport. Kelly, you said it earlier. That's how we win. John Paul II says, we admire the feats of great athletes who sacrifice themselves for years, day after day, to achieve those results. This is the logic of sport. It is also the logic of life. Without sacrifices, important results are not obtained or even genuine satisfaction.